I was hoping to make the top 65, and I did. Barely, but I did. <laughs> Hi, Scott. Hey, Bonnie Joe. Hey, it's nice to be with you, Scott Harris, the owner of Everybody Reads Books and Stuff. It's my pleasure. It's really nice to be with you and everyone here today. Yeah, I know. Can you believe they came to hear us talking? I can believe they came here to hear you talking. I, I can, can't believe they came here to hear me. I can believe they came to hear you talking, because you have talked in the past. And I hope to talk again in the future. <laughs> <laughs> when you're behind the register, you often have things to say. Yeah, I, again, I, I shared with one of the customers a little bit earlier, I think it's a neural diversity thing. It uh -huh. might not be the most appropriate thing to say, but invariably I'll have something. <laughs> Well, how did you start this here bookstore? Everybody reads in oh Lansing. Thank, thanks for that question. Uh, many, many years ago, back in the 1990s, uh, my, my wife at the time uh, and I dreamt of opening up a bookstore. It was always a real amorphous notion. We had no idea what the bookstore would look like, but we believed that it would have a cat because bookstores, we always thought, should have cats. And for a little while, we, we, we did have a, a cat here. Um, the story's going to get a little bit dark for a moment, but it will, it will resolve. Good. Um, in, uh, in, in 2002, when I was working in insurance and my wife uh, at the time was, was staying with the, with the kids, she worked in retail and was an English education major, so it would make sense that she would work in, you know, in, in retail because I was a psychology <laughs> major and I sold insurance, so useful degrees. But we thought that a bookstore would be the ideal way to really uh, pursue the rest of our, our lives together. We, we had this beautiful notion of what a bookstore you know, could do for a community and how we could engage. And uh, in 2002, my, my wife passed away, and it was totally unexpected. Um, she had had a congenital heart disorder. We didn't realize the extent of it. And um, so all of a sudden, here, here I am, you know, bereaved, and with a, a four-year-old and an eight-year-old child. I ended up leaving the insurance industry, and I stayed home with the kids for a little while. And I had an epiphany, uh, which is strange for me, because usually I have afterthoughts. <laughs> but it was one of those rare moments of clarity where I realized how blessed I was that I was able to find resources to help the kids and to help me work through our grief to heal and to start to re rebuild our lives. And when I realized that there were a lot of people in our community who were going through very similar uh, situations, didn't have access to our knowledge of the resources, it became clear that if ever I did open up a bookstore, and I'll be real candid, at the time there were a lot of really good bookstores, and the and I, I am naive and I am hubristic at times, which is also a lethal combination, and I realized that if I thought I could make a run at having a bookstore for the sake of having one, there was no way it would work. But if we had a bookstore that had a mission, which mostly is to work with underserved and underrepresented individuals and families and communities, then we had a fighting chance. And even though the bookstore to this day has never turned a penny in profit, it doesn't need to. Because success, to me at least, needn't be measured financially, but uh, as far as um, experience, experientially, it's been extraordinary. So when we opened the bookstore, it was with that idea of, of serving really kind of two missions. One, being a conduit to existing resources. Help putting in, in, in Lansing, in, in, the did, Lan the, yes. okay. mm -hmm. in Greater Lansing area. What are some of those, like like well, literacy mm -hmm. and? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ellie's Place was the one that helped us the most. They worked with the grieving children and their and their surviving parents to work through the grief and again towards towards healing. But we worked with the, the Capillary Humane Society. We worked with the Capillary Literacy Coalition. We worked with the National Alliance on Mental Illness. You know, we've worked with a, a host of other organizations, a number of LGBTQIA plus organizations, to make sure that again that if people came to us. Even if they, they weren't here to buy a book per se, we could help direct them towards the resources. One of the people in, in attendance, I think she might be hiding in the back, is, uh, is, is Julia. And Julia, she works for Punks with Lunch. They're the ones who put the TARDIS out front as a food pantry. They work with the homeless community in Lansing. They provide Narcon to help if someone has a drug overdose, an opiate overdose. So finding kindred spirits in the community really helps us to fulfill one of the primary objectives. The second objective that we had was to supplement these organizations by having books, by having books on special, uh, for, for maybe for children with special needs or special abilities, for uh, uh, all different family constructs to make sure that when if a child came into the store, they would see something that shows their face, something that tells their story. Uh, just a, a place that was intended to be disarming. If people buy books in the process, hey, that's groovy too. But if nothing else, we wanted a sanctuary. And we, we were the first for-profit entity that was designated, ostensibly for-profit, <laughs> um, 
But we were the first one to be designated as a safe place by the, the Children, Child, and Family Services in the Lansing area. Oh. So if someone is a runaway or if they're in an abusive situation, that we can offer them sanctuary until they can find another another place. So you're a safe space. So if mm-hmm. somebody's having trouble in the community, they can come in here and come up to you at the register yes. and say, help me. Yes. And then we, we wow. can do that. Wow. And you're connected with all the organizations that mm-hmm. can they give provide the resources. help. Mm-hmm. And in the meanwhile, they can look at some books, which could help. That helps too. <laughs> so uh, if, if someone wants to help us uh, provide our, our, our mission here uh, please buy books (laughs) (laughs) yeah because you do work full-time still to support the bookstore yeah that's that's the dark side of my existence is i'm still an insurance agent (laughs) and you know what so maybe we could help by just buying some insurance from you 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 insurance is usually a colossal waste of money and you hope it's a waste of money uh so i guess my my new motto is going to be waste uh, waste less money with me See how that works out. <laughs> wow. So the, in the so the bookstore is it open? Is this bookstore mm-hmm. open all the regular hours? Yeah. No, seven days a week uh, from noon until six. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it really is a safe space in a lot of ways. So thank you. That's, that's our mission. That's our intent at least. Wow. I didn't know that when I came a few years ago and I brought Flannery O'Connor with me. I miss Flannery. I d- yeah, I I'm didn't glad to know. see you. I don't want to make you second to Flannery, but I miss Yeah, her. I brought a picture of us with Flannery. So if anybody wants to see us with Flannery um, O'Connor. I didn't know she was still alive. Well, maybe just her facsimile. <laughs> yeah, she didn't last long. She, We've outlived Flannery, haven't we? And yet she seems eternal. As, 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 yeah, as, she as, is. As do you. you uh, do I seem eternal? You do. You do. In, in a good way. In a good way. Not like, oh my gosh. Gonna... Not her again. No, no never. Oh, heavens. No, never. Never. <laughs> wow. And so uh, where's the cat? Um, she ended up moving in with me. Oh, um, okay. Because when we first opened the store, our neighbors uh, to the uh, to the east of us it was a coffee shop. It, it's now, it's a tavern and they're doing great and I, I love I love the people there, but it became a little more problematic uh, at the time because we had a door open between the two businesses and the cat, as cats are wont to do, would go in and out and hope that they'd have cream or something for her. And she never read anyway, so she's happier back at the house. She wasn't reading, really. She was not, and yet her name is Reed because we thought that would be an appropriate. Well, you know, you try, you raise, you raise people, you raise these animals up, and you try to get them to. That's it. But yeah. They have their own agendas. I talk with my donkeys a lot about literature, mm-hmm. and you know what they say? I, I don't. Just, I just he honk. Really? And pretty much feed me. He honk that and feed so me. That seems so dismissive. They're, they're beautiful, sentient yeah. creatures. And... Even when, like, I've won an award, you know, and yeah. I've gone to the donkey barn and yeah, I've yeah. told them, yeah. look, I won this award. You know, I'll even show them the award yeah. that I won. And they just say, he honk, feed us. I bet that they're proud. They just, they, they just want to keep you humble, as you are. Yeah, they, I, you know, I think that's important sure for proud. all of us to be kept humble, isn't yeah. it? That's what we by donkeys do. or by our spouses or our <laughs> friends. I mean, our families, for sure, oh, yeah. will keep us humble. They, they do. I think that's part of why their family is to make sure that we stay in check. Yeah. They really don't want us to get on our. As I said, I you know the high. I brought my high horse, mm-hmm. but it, you know I don't dare bring it in. And you can, offered to feed my high horse, which absolutely. I appreciate. Oh, it's a beautiful creature. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, that, isn't that funny? The high horse is a beautiful creature. That's the idea, isn't it? Yes. That yeah. everyone would want to ride a high horse. Certainly, and, and the view is magnificent. <laughs> That is so true, because I was dismissive of the high horse thing, but mm-hmm. now I'm starting to see the advantage of it. It's all about framing. It's all of it is. <laughs> wow. And you're not a writer. I, I write short pieces. I've written for magazines before. Um, oh, you have? My, my voice usually extends about a thousand words or fewer. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So you could, so you like journalism type or more, more uh, um, uh, essay? Short it, essays. More, more journalism, but more feature type of journalism. Um, yeah. So I still try to adhere to the, the rules of, of journalism, but a little more voice, a little less. You know, um, what's the what was the um, what, what's the journal that journalists use that you're supposed to adhere to the, the code? Um, like the Chicago the Manual of Style. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 or yeah, the, style. Ethics, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, you <laughs> should have some ethics as well. Oh. I don't think it has a formal name. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of a problem. Right? Maybe that's, we need to codify it. You know? yeah. 
So it seems like a lot of people from the Lansing community, a lot of writers, mm -hmm. are gravitate towards your store. That makes me happy. I, I like to think that we're kindred spirits, but that's again the hubris side of me. I, I love finding people who, irrespective of, to make it as a writer is problematic. Like I need to tell you this, it's, it's, it's challenging. <laughs> um, and, and some people, again, who have an extraordinary voice, uh, they, they, can, they can make it. But people who write, I, I'm assuming, because again, I'm, I'm naive too, I'm assuming that people set out to write because they love to write. They have stories they, they want to share. And to be around people who have that sense of creativity, that spark, that passion, I mean, these are people with whom I feel a kinship with. Hopefully it's reciprocal, but uh, reciprocated, but uh, I certainly enjoy the, the company of all of authors and poets and, and such. So. Well, it's funny. I can remember the first time I came into the store was I was brought here by Randy. Randy Glum. Randy Glum, mm. who's hiding out somewhere, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a hermit now. He is. He's a so. fantastic human being. But maybe he'll listen to our podcast. I sure hope so. I'm, oh, I'm that'll be great, because yeah. I miss him. Yeah, and he dragged me up here. I think, I believe he was a chain smoker. And he just like, I don't know, I think he called me on the phone. I could hear him chain smoking <laughs> on the phone. He's like, you got to come up here. Get up here to this Everybody Reads place. And this was like 20 years ago. Yeah. That's yeah. definitely Randy. Yeah, that was a really good Randy description. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I was actually doing my mother, and my mother sounds just like Randy. <laughs> Bonnie! <laughs> Bonnie, get up here! Get up here! I need something! I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Fill my glass! No, I That didn't sounds say. like Randy, too. Does it? <laughs> it, does, it does not. No, <laughs> we won't say that about Randy. That's, that's not Randy. No. <laughs> We hope he does listen to this, though, and he may get riled up if we say stuff about yeah. him. No, that if we just told a pack of lies about him, that might get him in the store. Yeah, but it, it gives us creative license, though. Oh, that yeah. does, because yeah. and I'm a fiction writer anyway. Oh, this so, is water than yeah. <laughs> and you know, I was going to say there is another reason that people write, uh, and that is because they have cats, and the cats <laughs> want to sit on your lap, and really, if you're going to be just sitting there anyway, mm -hmm. with the cat on your lap. I mean, I think writing is a... Is it how Hemingway got started? Maybe. Maybe that is the whole Hemingway oh my thing. Gosh. I'll give him a second chance then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. We could talk about that, about yeah. that Hemingway. What a guy, eh? Really, a real guy. Really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, how many cats do you have? That's, that's my way of asking how many cats you I, have. See, I have to frame it again just so... <laughs> I cohabitate because they got on my case once when I said, oh, I own cats. They say, you own us. <laughs> oh, the cats said They this. did that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I cohabitate with seven feline companions. They said that was acceptable. No vernacular. I could say it like that. Yeah. Okay. So you go home and you, like I go home and try to get the donkeys involved, mm -hmm. but you seem to have a little more success getting the cats involved. Although only because when they criticize you. Yeah, my promise, I introduced them to the concept yeah. of democracy once, one creature, one vote. And, oh. every, and every night they want tuna. And I'm a vegan. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I've always wondered about the vegan and the, the feeding the animals thing. Mm -hmm. It is a little bit problematic, it, isn't it? It is, but I recognize that cats aren't meant to be vegan. Uh, do dogs can be, cats cannot be. Yeah. So. Well, I have to say, I have uh, kept, there's a new cat in my life in... Uh, and in an indoor cat, mm -hmm. and this is a hot, well, I won't even get it, but it's not the house where I live, where we have several cats. Mm -hmm. This is another house where, that was my mom's house, and she passed away, and you know, these people do that to us, don't they? They just yeah. up and leave. Yeah, what's up with that? Um, but this cat became an indoor cat, and I came home yesterday, I came back yesterday and found half of a red squirrel there. Huh. <laughs> The bottom half, are, are you, like are you the fluffy tail. About when you're going to find the other half, or where you're no, going? No, oh. I am sure the cat ate the. And then yeah. I left it there because I thought, you know, she doesn't get out much. Right. Let's see what she does. She ate everything except just the very tip of the tail. Huh. Every other part of that red squirrel she ate. Oh, yeah. She kept the fanciest part of it. She just kept that maybe as like a keychain thing. Maybe do cats, she was. Do cats do that? Just as a little fetish. Kind of, I'm just to baby. keep it, like a little reminder. She probably wanted to put it on the wall, like as a trophy or something. Another, yeah. A rabbit's foot. Maybe it was its luck, a little bit of a squirrel's tail. I don't always understand how they... Maybe you could ask your cats today. I can, but they'll probably, like, roll their eyes, like... And they're going to be like, dude. why aren't you bringing us a red squirrel? Yeah. And then I explain the whole vegan thing, and then they laugh at me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm feeling a little less veganish when I 
I now I, there are red squirrels in the wall, mm. but I'm not thinking of eating them. No, but if somebody else did, no, <laughs> I think they they probably don't want to be in the wall. So. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's warm though. It it's is. warmer than outdoors. They'd They're probably getting... rather to be like in Tampa. Than, than in the walls and <laughs> you think them. they all want to go to Florida? I don't know. Ron DeSantis has kind of ruined Florida for squirrels. Yeah, they wouldn't like that. They wouldn't oh, the gators. That. Yeah. yeah. yeah gators in like the streets, on the sidewalks. So I've heard. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. gators. I did just hear a news story about somebody who had an alligator as a comfort animal, though. Did anybody else hear that? Like for an like, airplane travel? They, he tried taking it on an airplane and it didn't go. No, he tried taking it to a baseball game and he wasn't able to. Wow. But he was able to bring his gator to the store. I Instead of the American news, I listen in the evening to the Canadian news. That would be a lot more interesting. It's yeah. very soothing. Does anybody else listen to it? It comes on at 7 o'clock. It's called As It Happens. And you can, you can find it online or whatever. But it's an hour of Canadian news. And there's something comforting oh. about it. And yeah, they had a, an article about somebody using a alligator as a comfort I animal. Love it. More than maple syrup and hockey. There, there's more. I, I love Canada. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm married, okay. I'm married to a Canadian, really? as you know. Yeah. I don't think I... I oh, I, yeah, Chris. Yeah. I don't know Chris. That husband. The oh, <laughs> the Canadian husband. The Canadian husband. Yeah. Oh, okay. you know. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> so, um, would you feel comfortable if I asked you to something about your tattoo, oh, which sure. is very visible? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, it was inspired by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And, uh, I know, right? I, before she had uh, become a Supreme Court Justice and before she was a professor at Yale, she was an activist attorney. And at presentations sometimes, especially during dark times, she would share the story of the Yiddish resistance movement and how before World War II, um, the Nazi soldiers would go into the villages in Poland and before summarily executing the villagers, uh, they would torture and torment them and force them to perform and in one of the villages, uh, they, uh, this, the soldiers had uh, rounded up some of the, the elder men and, and had them singing and dancing for their own edification. And one of the men realized in mid-song mid what was their fate, and he started to sing, Mirveln ze Iberleben, we will outlive them. And that whole notion that in the face of authoritarianism and in the face of, of just horrific things, that good will outlive evil. And during the, the Trump era, when everything was so divisive and so horrific, it was a reminder to me that we will outlive them. No matter what may happen to us as individuals, collectively good will triumph over evil. So, that's us. So, wow. I should the microphone, too. See? I <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. And, yeah, we miss her, don't we? Tremendously. Bader Ginsburg. Oh, she was extraordinary. And now we've just lost another politician, haven't we? Yeah. And, uh, and a, yeah. a big old one. And well, the yeah, the the, the tragedy, of course, of her passing. I'm saying uh, passing is is bad enough, but the happy part that comes from that. And again, it's all to me. It's all about framing. Is now the stories about her activism in, in San Francisco prior to becoming um, a U.S. representative and, and senator. Um, I'm glad that these stories are coming to the forefront again, and, and people can can hear what a remarkable, not just leader and, and both, simultaneously both a leader and a servant you know, for the people. I just think she's an exceptional soul, and, and to hear now some of these stories being reshared. I agree. It's not yeah. funny that we weren't talking about that. Everybody was just talking about either they were annoyed with her for not retiring, or they were, mm -hmm. you know, or they were glad she was in the position or something. But now, yeah. yeah, immediately I started hearing some of those stories about her early days, and it was truly inspiring. I mean, yeah. she was really a you know broke through barriers, and oh, she absolutely did. And and she was a, a strong leader w without being uh, one who would alienate people. I mean, people with a right-wing lunatic agenda, she alienated because, you know, she was an advocate for, for the voiceless. But I just think, again, a remarkable soul who we tremendously miss. But thank goodness her legacy lives on. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. I don't know Hopefully. what happens next. I don't know what um, in all these things. So. Yeah. <laughs> what about Lansing? Do you feel like Lansing is a friendly place oh for all the good political things i love lansing oh you do i, I, I do you I, live right around here I, I live just south i live in holt so okay. the, the southern the first community south of uh, the city proper um but the east side in particular lansing in general i, I love i am um, i grew up in metro detroit i grew up in oak park which was a splendidly diverse melting pot community and i, I naively thought that again this is a microcosm of of the world this is how all communities are 
when I had come up to, uh, to Lansing, I came up to MSU in, in 82 to go to college, I just I fell in love with Lansing. I've been to many progressive and inclusive communities in, in the country and in Canada, but I'd never been part of a community so organically blended as well as progressive. It's not just theoretical, it's not homogenous. I mean, socioeconomically, racially, LGBT, LGBTQIA+. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the most amazing community. This is where I wanted to raise my, my kids. This is where I want what, what, that, uh, them to experience. And uh, Lansing has done nothing except make me thrilled that I, this is where I've lived and this is where I've been able to open the store. Wow, that's great that you, uh, that's, so how long have you been in Lansing? Uh, since, I, let's see, I graduated in 87, so since 1987. Wow. So, so. And how long has this bookstore been here? We opened in 2006, so okay. we just finished our 17th uh, year. Wow, that's a good run for a bookstore, actually. Yeah. That's, yeah. bookstores are chugging, they're chugging along and... Especially when their proprietors work full time. <laughs> well, may, may I share a little anecdote? Yeah. Okay. I was going to save this for the introduction when we start the, the latter part, the last part of the, uh, the open mic and, and such. But um, having a bookstore is kind of to me analogous to having a child. For the first X amount of time, be it a week, a month, or a year, what have you, you're the primary influence. You are the one person with whom the child interacts. So you get to give them at least a, maybe a little bit of a foundation. After a certain point, usually by the time the kid starts going to, to preschool, all of a sudden there are more voices that come to their head, especially when they're awake. I mean, as a parent, you're with them at night when they're sleeping. Yeah. And you can't really influence them too much unless you messed up the room when they're sleeping and confused them. <laughs> but um, otherwise, most of the time when they're awake, they're with other people. And the bookstore to me is kind of analogous to this. I had a vision, but the bookstore didn't really take hold until the community and other people who had worked here or volunteered here, people would start sharing with the bookstore ideas on, on genres, ideas on titles. That's, I think, when the bookstore became something, when it was no longer in my hands, when it became part of what the community thought we needed. And that's when I think, again, we, we really started to earn the right as a bookstore, when we reflected the community's wishes and wants and values as opposed to just what my thoughts were. That's interesting. So when you first start, yeah, so when you first start like a business like this, mm -hmm. you are, it has to kind of come from you. Like mm -hmm. in a way, it has to be like your vision because everybody's busy. They don't have time for your vision. That's it. <laughs> so if you are successful, then you create a vision mm -hmm. that excites other people. I hope so. And that that other people can like, like jump onto. I hope so. Either that or they come in and they just shake their head derisively and say, what is he doing? Let's give him some good ideas. And then we'll, we'll take their ideas. <laughs> right, that's true. They can even help you. They can help me, yeah. They can, the people who are like, really hate your bookstore. What book the hell is his problem? Let, may, me, let me help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's not so different from writing then because, you know, I have to say like, as a, how many people here are writers? Yeah, look at everybody. All right, Every, everybody's at least touch rubbing up against rubbing up against mm. it. It's R that writer adjacent. Well, you know, and I mean, because we were mentioning Hemingway, mm -hmm. and Hemingway had that mythology of writing is it's a manly pursuit. Yeah. It came yeah. from you know, it's the men's soul. Right, the truest sentence you know. Yeah, and it's a sort of a single-minded thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. This if that didn't pick it up, we'll say tell the write the truest sentence you know. Um, so, what writing is for me is trying my hardest to, like having something that I need to write, trying my hardest to write it, and then sharing it yeah. with somebody who, a writer friend, um, a couple of writer friends, and then being, and then finding out, well, does this vision I have connect to your world? And and I'd say that like any any writer worth their salt needs to have that connection with other people, or they're not going to be read, yeah. <laughs> or not happily read. No, and that could be a problem for a writer, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> not being read. Not being read, well, or, or happily read. Yes, yeah. right. You yeah. could be read in an annoying way. I can't believe she wrote this. I no, can't what believe. What was she thinking? Well, what, yeah. Maybe that is what's, how they read some, yeah, what's some things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is funny. I just read recently that, um, and you writers aren't going to want to hear this, that there are between three and four million books published per year. Wow. How, how many of them are by Stephen King? 
He's still going. But I mean, it's kind of a shocking thing to think how about connecting to readers. How can, you know, the reading public, how big is the reading public? That's true, know, Of the people who are actually buying books. Maybe if... Maybe a little bit more than four million, but I, I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So it is a challenge um, getting, you know, connecting to the things. And as a bookseller, mm-hmm. you're puzzling. I mean, you have two things because you have an agenda where you want to connect people to particular things. Yes. So you have certain subject matter that you take a special pleasure in connecting. Yes connecting people to and 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 then there is the real life issue of of what people like to read <laughs> that's it too you know and and one of the the frustrations also is a lot of the books we carry are kind of esoteric and we find some wonderful children's books and a childhood experience and they're they're well written and the illustrations are beautiful but because it's such a small market some of these books they don't have second and third press runs so oh. we find the ideal books, and then we can't find them again. So we have to be tenacious and looking for books that belong on the shelves. And wow. So can you give us an example of one? And maybe we'll give a little yeah. plug for a book. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so when we first opened the bookstore, uh, there was a, a two-book companion series that I loved. It was... Uh, it, it's not... Um, like the, the verbiage has changed since, but it's All Cats Have Asperger's. When it was republished at one time, it was All Cats Have, a- have Autism and All Dogs Have ADHD. And it was written for, you know, for children or parents who have children who may be on the neurodiverse spectrum, which I happen to be. So I really did appreciate these. Uh, this is great. And they had the second press run for the cat. And then they stopped publishing. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Oh. It was great for the kids because it's a real disarming way to, uh, to share. And it was also... Um, you know, frustrating because, uh, again, the, the, the kids identified and the parents could identify. And it was a great book, but they just stopped, or books, uh, but they just stopped publishing them. So, wow. Yeah. Makes yeah. you think, you know, I wonder if there are little presses in Michigan that would be open to, you know, republishing certain books. Because once it goes out of print for 10 years or something, I think the author can go to a different publisher. And, oh, wow. You know. See, these are so, great things for me to know. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the right to publish a book stays with the publisher for a little while, but mm-hmm. go reverse. So you could you could contact the author and say, let's find you another let's publisher. Let's find you another publisher. Maybe an e-book would be good for that sort of thing. But he wants to have it right there on the oh, show. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. One of those, it's one of those books, if you ever have seen it, mm-hmm. it's magnificent because the illustrations as well as you know mm-hmm. the, the font, it's just... It's something tangible in your hands. You can look at it. You can show the kids the pictures. And yeah. e-books certainly have their place for sure, but not there. Okay. No. What if you have ADHD and Asperger's like me? Uh, <laughs> you should buy one of each then. <laughs> yeah, well. they're, they're really good books. <laughs> oh, well, wow, that's great. Yeah. That is I great. sounded like a salesman, though, didn't I? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to sound like a salesman. No, no. It's that. <laughs> well, since you're selling something. Yeah, you that, should buy one of these. That's since, part of your job as a bookseller. Well, also, you're selling something that doesn't exist. So yeah. That actually. <laughs> I'm a, like a, a vegan version of a snake oil salesman. <laughs> Do you want to tell us anything about being vegan? Like, I would I, love I to. I believe that you were vegan before it was a trend. I'm not saying it's just a trend i'm saying yeah. it is very popular more the zeitgeist now. now yeah it is very much in the main it's becoming in the mainstream but you were kind of an early adopter yeah i, I became a vegetarian in 1978 and a vegan in, uh, in 1993 and um i, I realized a, a long time ago i got i got chastised by my mom once um because i took the well i got chastised by my mom often but in this particular <laughs> instance uh, i was chastised because I had taken the dog, our, our family dog, for a walk, and I was really in a hurry to get back to the house because it was Sunday night in the wonderful world of Disney. If anyone remembers, you know, I wanted to get home to watch the show. <laughs> so it was a really like record-setting three-minute walk down to the corner and back, and the poor dog is like, what's up with this? <laughs> so my mom says, you know, just because uh, he's not human doesn't mean he doesn't have basic needs, and he needs exercise, he needs to be able to, you know. And it, it just struck such a chord with me, and being a precocious kid, I started to extrapolate. Well, well, why do we have to be nice to you know, our, our dog? And why, why aren't we nice to, to cows and pigs and chickens? And again, the notion of egalitarianism, I think it was kind of hardwired within me before that with, with people, you know, equals amongst equals. But to 
take it a step further, why do we so arbitrarily decide which creatures we're going to kill and eat and which creatures are we going to honor and, uh, and spoil rotten? So that was the, the starting point of that. It, it didn't, it's one of those things, too, and I, I don't want to sound evangelical about it, but like once the veil was lifted, it became really apparent to me that I couldn't be consistent in my ethos unless I, I stopped eating other creatures, unless I stopped using other creatures for, my, you know, for whatever utility they may theoretically have provided me. And thus the journey began. Yeah, so, um, and you have some books, you have books on veganism mm, here in the do. store. And mm -hmm. so do you go out of your way to look? I don't, with a, with a used book, mostly used bookstore, mm -hmm. but you have some new books, too. Yeah, we started out exclusively as new books, and uh, over the years we've kind of transitioned to predominantly uh, used books, so it, it's a little bit more difficult, but when we find the, uh, the the animal rights books or the vegan books, it's much easier now to integrate them in, into the, to the collection. Yeah, there, so. you mean, so you bring those, you'll bring some of those in new if you can't find them. Absolutely, you can't yes. Find them we, we, yeah, we try to make sure that the shelves are always stocked with uh, with those. Yeah, and so people in the community know that you'll have you're a resource for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. Um, yeah, may, may I plug my fiance? Yes. So I've been, I've been engaged for a little bit now uh, for a, a wonderful woman named, named Tams, and she's the executive director of an organization called AllCreatures.org, which is a Christian-based uh, animal rights vegan group, and it's wonderful. She's she's in the building right now, but she's actually doing a, a podcast or not podcast, but an interview uh, in the back office. And uh, she, we met on a, a vegan over uh, a Facebook site for vegans over fifty, and uh, subsequently, um, I became active in an organization called Jewish Veg, which is a Jewish group. So it's a wonderful little couple thing. We went to the uh, Jewish part. Veg. Yeah, okay. it's a, yeah, it's, it's a vegan animal rights group that's Jewish. Oh, so I'm not the executive director. I'm like a volunteer on there. So I don't mean to conflate what I'm doing with what is she's doing. Is that a national organization it or is. is it a okay yeah, based out of Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania? And uh, we attended a, a conference of the, co the Department of World's Religions in Chicago last month, each of us representing our, our different organizations. Uh, she far more eloquently than I. But it was wonderful to see you know, the, the reception within the, uh, the religious community, uh, the ecumenical community, for you know, animal advocacy and veganism and such. So. And so this was at a religion conference. Yeah, so like 8,000 people. Both <laughs> of you were there for, with this angle, this yes. particular angle. Yeah, yeah we, were, we were part of a, of a larger organization that connects different... Uh, a number of different faiths with uh, with animal advocacy and veganism. Did you so, feel you were w well received? I do. Yeah. I do. It was it was really really nifty. Is is nifty okay? Is it anachronistic? I know nifty's I nifty? good. How old are we? Uh, sixty. <laughs> I'm sixty. I didn't know. I'm your wise elder. I'm sixty one. I listen to what you say. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is great. I wonder if I have any advice for you. I'm sure you do. <laughs> can, we, can we say can we sit on, on online, or would you rather we talk afterwards? Yeah, advice? no. I, I mean, I wish you know you're doing such a great job. I just don't feel like I have any advice. But if you had any question for me, I'd be happy to answer what, what's, it. What's my problem? What am I? <laughs> what's no, my deal? What's my? You're issue? doing everything right, Scott. <laughs> you're in this community. And you're making it all happen. I got cool friends, too. Yeah, you do have cool friends. And it's really nice that, uh, where's Dawn, that you convinced Dawn to go work at, Dawn Burns, to work at the cash register. Has she ever worked at cash? And she sold yeah. two things. Wow. Wow. She didn't even shriek about, like, yeah, it's not working. No. Scott, come back here. No. Oh, my gosh. No. Wow. She, you may not get rid of her then. She may I be don't in here want selling stuff. She may be in here selling stuff all the time. Hey, don't, I what? hang out all the time because my wife works here three days a week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here anyways. Oh. Nice. So, yeah, you do have cool people in the store. Absolutely. So, what books, being in the bookstore, what books are people buying these days? Wow. What or what books are they reading? You know whether they're that stealing is... them or buying them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have it? Maybe you have any of those flash mobs that come in and steal books. I, I've never are heard of one in a bookstore. <laughs> those flash. They have we supposedly there's flash mobs yeah. and they come in and steal. Luxury yeah, really? or they, they and and I think they came. They broke into a pharmacy. They broke into jewelry stores. Yeah. Wow. So they haven't been breaking into no. The, maybe this we store. should start selling like. Prescriptions and uh, jewelry, or something, <laughs> just to supplement the books. <laughs> yeah, and then people, then you might get some books into the hands of these, yeah, these dealers. Reco recovery books. Yeah. Yes. Oh, we got a market now. That's all. That's the whole thing. You don't throw too wide a net. You try to stay focused, and maybe the recovery. Will yeah. Really do you have a lot of recovery books we, we in have, here? Have, Is this a good some. resource? Is this a good we, source we try to for be. that? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Is is the re- is the recovery community one of those communities that's connected in? I'm really glad you asked. Um, because when we first opened the bookstore, we had torn all the way down to the studs. And when we rebuilt back out, we added a community room where all the good food is today. And at one point, um, it was before we had other stuff in there and before it was used for food and, and, and storage, uh, before COVID, it was a room where we made available for no cost for support groups. Support groups saved my life. I mean, when, when, when my wife had passed away, going to a support group each week with the kids, I mean, it just kept my sanity. I don't want to overstate this, but it, my, my sanity was preserved because we were around kindred spirits, people who yeah. understood the process. So when we opened the bookstore, it was an integral part of, of us being a community resource is to have a place where everyone, irrespective of everything, could feel safe and could meet. And we hope to do that again soon once we get the room back in order. So um, we've, we've tried, again, to have resources or direct people toward where the resources are. So we, we do have good books. We've had a really good working relationship. I mean, everything from Codependence Anonymous to AA to nar, you know, Narcotics Anonymous, um, Overeaters Anonymous. We, we've had some really, really good groups that have been, been working here. Yeah, that's great. And, okay, so back to that question. What books, what books are buying? What books sell really well that maybe even some that surprise you? Wow. <laughs> that's, such, that's such a great question. I don't know if I could, uh, I could, if I could honestly answer that. Because um, it's a little bit of this and yeah. a little bit of that. Yes. Is that from, from uh, Fiddler on the Roof? Hello. A little bit of this and a little yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. What a great illusion. Thank you. Um, so um, it's really funny because that would you, one would think that would be the easiest and obvious question. And it's a softball question that I could start promoting books or genres. But well, I, in a, I think in a bookstore that, that's in a bookstore that focuses on new books, mm-hmm. they have an answer to that because yeah. it's depending on you know the, what's selling it you know what the new york times is writing reviews about or what, yeah. whatever and and but here maybe because it's so focused on the needs of the community rather than what's topical yes you know that's, that's a really eloquent way to allow me to back out of not having an answer to, so thank you for being here. <laughs> Do you sell any books? Maybe you don't sell books. I don't know. Does we it, should sell books here. <laughs> <laughs> that's some overlooking. <laughs> you know that whole thing about working for, you know, working 40 hours a week in the insurance agency? Yeah. Supposed to, you know, should be some, there's supposed to be money coming in here. I'm bad at this. No, I, I think, tell people it's because I'm a socialist, but no, I'm just bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Are you a socialist? I am. Yay. So, um, it's just nice to hear people talking about socialism a little bit. Mm-hmm. And is there any community wherein people? What if somebody wanted to learn about socialism? Is there any book that they could buy? Um, there, there, there are there are some that I would uh, I would guide them towards. Uh, I am almost anything written by Bernie Sanders, of course. But we we have some primers put out by the. Um, Oh, I just blanked out. The uh, the Democratic uh, Socialists. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So they put, so people yeah, they, they who, do put up periodicals. If people and books do want to know mm-hmm. what the far right is bashing, mm-hmm. then this they, is a good place. Yeah, and that's what makes me crazy too. And forgive me for interrupting. Apparently, I'm more passionate than I realized I was. Um, what drives me crazy is when you have these these right-wing people they call everyone Joe Biden's a socialist thing like hell he is yeah like you talk, know? ask a socialist ask a socialist <laughs> go, no he's not he doesn't get credit for that you know, I'm a socialist you know ask me you know what's wrong with capitalism and you know, <laughs> distribution of resources and such but no yeah well you're you're kind of redistributing a little bit that's what we're trying to do that's why we're not yeah. turning a profit again I'm rationalizing because yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah what would you do if you turned a profit well you might actually uh, myocardial infarction I'm sure I'd keel over if we turned a profit <laughs> counting error at best but probably death at worst you know <laughs> do you have in your in your behind, with your cash register do you mm-hmm. have one of those fancy programs that tells you what you sold and all that we, we do it's, you uh, do yeah oh we, I didn't know it's on, okay well it's on square and okay. it, it gives us an idea as to how much we've sold okay so but, you know exactly how you're how far behind you yeah it's, yeah it's allowed me to really appreciate the color red yeah and red can okay. be beautiful in the right context <laughs> yes, <yeah. yes. laughs> well um, do any of you have any questions for scott because i'll keep him gabbing here because he's very i, talk a, I talk a lot fun you're fun <laughs> you're fun it's got to make sure our holes have all those questions well Right. Hey Scott. Hi. I'm Ben. Hey Ben. I uh, came up to Michigan State in 1983. A member left the area. 
Bless you. Let's see kindred, sp kindred spirits. Yeah. <laughs> I love your comment about loving Lansing. I love Lansing. And I think I love Lansing because when I came up here as a student, I was expecting to see this really cool town because of it's a capital and a university. And I realized very quickly that there are so many challenges in Lansing. Rio Town, what is now the state and district of Old Town. Mm -hmm. If any of you have been around, those were some pretty rough areas in the 80s and early 90s. And look at them now, yeah. just thriving. Yeah. And I, my question is, do you share in that sentiment? Were you able to, you, you, I'm sure you saw that shift and felt it. And I think Lansing makes a tremendous case for being one of the most improved cities in America. I absolutely do. I mean, that was beautifully, really eloquently put. And. I think that, again, for whatever reason, people are dismissive of, uh, of certain cities for reasons that I, I can't understand, maybe because of socioeconomics from, from back in the day. And even now, you know, Lansing has its, its economic challenges, but I think that also, I mean, coupled with our, our, our lousy winters, you know, sometimes, it makes us hardier, it makes us more empathetic. You know, I, I think it really does cultivate a, a, a community. When you struggle together with others, I think it really does create a, a, a bond. I, I think that's a really a really good description how you put it and, and just to see again how Rio Town has, uh, has has come back and how Old Town has come back and, and I'm a little bit biased towards the east side because that's where we are but again the east side to me is the, the perfect microcosm of Lansing which to me should be the perfect microcosm of humanity but that might be overstating it. Scott this is the best block in Lansing right here. Oh. Clements and Fairview. Thank you. And they have vegan donuts across the yeah. street. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, they've got oh, vegan. Oh, well, now it all makes sense. See? What it makes you wonder, did they did did Scott come here because there were vegan donuts, or they, they knew he was here, <laughs> so they opened it up. A little column A, a little column B. Or it might make us believe in a higher power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some cosmic miracle. Yeah. Yeah, if... The person who most needs vegan donuts <laughs> suddenly is rewarded with vegan donuts. Life it, is good. It, it works for me. Yeah, life, life is good. Life is good. <laughs> I know, you keep a very positive attitude no matter what's going on. I think it's, it's a combination of naivete and, uh, and again, being able to reframe things. Uh, yeah, that reframing. You yeah, said that huge. a couple times. It's, it's like, is it actually like something you consciously think about? Like, it, it, if you're initially, yeah, yeah. Now it's just a matter of, and again, I don't want to get like all too weird or woo woo or anything. But nothing has meaning until we ascribe meaning to it. Nothing is good or bad until we decide what we're going to do with it. And yeah, life is hard, and life is suffering, and life is certainly struggling. But life is also life also has these intermittent moments of blissfulness, of joy, of transcendent joy. And being in a community, again, with people who are amazing and being able to have conversations with, with people and, and felines, too, in case they're listening. Um, it just it really does afford one the opportunity to experience wonderful moments. So, yeah, I will, I will go through the rest of my life as naive as I can be. And uh, self-delusion, I think I mentioned earlier, is probably my, my greatest uh, mechanism for in, enduring life. But it works. You know, my, my intent is to make it through life completely delusional and unaware of the horrible things people think and say about me, and then I die. And I never You'll learn. You'll never hear how much them. I, I'll, never, I'll never be aware of it, and I win. So I intend to be naive for the rest of my life. I can't imagine anybody saying anything negative about you. Do you think they could? Well, after 45 minutes, you might start thinking a little bit more derisive things about me. <laughs> Does anybody else have a question for Scott? Yeah. What do you think about having a store cat? Where are you concerned oh, about people with allergies? I love that. Um, it's not so much the allergies. I'm sensitive to people who, who have, who have you know, challenges, and I certainly wouldn't want to be disrespectful to them with allergies. My concern is more now just the, the proximity to Michigan Avenue yeah. and the traffic. And uh, if somebody comes in and the cat oh, says, hey. Oh, if the cat jumped yeah, out. Yeah, I, I do have nightmares about like my my feline companions uh, getting out of the house, so I want to make sure that. So you have you're an indoor cat person. I am. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. Bless you. Me too. It is funny that once you make that switch and you accept it, even though I mean I was a farm mm -hmm. kid yeah. and the the cats were outside, mm -hmm. having every horrible thing happen to them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I am really good at being a 
what's the word for someone who catastrophizes things? A catastrophizer. Yeah, are you I am. see now this yeah. is interesting yeah. about you. You are a catastrophizer mm-hmm. and you have this positive attitude. Yeah. It's a great combination. <laughs> because I mean, a lot of people criticize the catastropher. Mm-hmm. They're saying, Oh, you're so negative. You have no. you know, you're worried about this happening. But no, Mm-mm. you can take it to a place where you can use that to prevent the disaster. Yes, exactly. Thank you for understanding. You are a kindred spirit, if you don't mind me saying I am a kindred spirit with well, you. Yeah, you. I'm surprised that I'm not here all the time. You're always welcome here oh, all the time. Oh, thank you. Of course, I my really gosh. appreciate it. I really appreciate because, as you know, we we do not marry our kindred spirits. No, no. <laughs> I don't. I, I hope Tams didn't hear that. So, oh my god! You marry this other thing. You marry this. You you marry a lar- You marry a rainbow. Yeah. That's what you marry okay. because you need that supplement more and compliment. Compliment. Yes. Okay. So as where, but when you meet kindred spirits, yeah. then. Then you can like really kibbutz, kibbutz, yeah, not kibbutz. Yeah, we could do it. We could, we could, kibbutz, we could kibbutz, <laughs> kibbutz on a kibbutz. Kibbutz in a kibbutz. We could do that. We could. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I know. Where is there a kibbutz around here? We need a kibbutz. We do. Because that's do. a good. That's good socialism. Yeah, too. that's where you practice Community. socialism. Community yeah. solidarity. Yeah. As long it depends on who's in charge. There's not supposed to be anybody in no. charge. So the cats will be in charge. <laughs> 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 yes. So, um, I, I, so, I think I have to step back, if, if I may. Yeah. Because the whole notion of kindred spirits, I think, is, is a beautiful concept. But I think that you, you can be a spouse with someone. Yeah. It's, it's more of a, like, one of those uh, Venn diagrams where you overlap a lot. And the, the little part where you overlap would be the kindred part. But there is the supplement and complement part, too. Where I don't want to marry myself, for heaven's sake. That would be horrible. <laughs> I know. So I want people who bring other things to the table. My gosh, thank goodness. I feel for like that. I know people who've married themselves, though. Now that you say that, maybe. Wow. Or they've tried. They've tried. And then they got divorced. Yes, they should. Yeah. That'd be insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm insufferable, I mentioned. <laughs> I know. I wouldn't want to live with me. Oh, my gosh, no. Yeah. I don't know what it's like to live with a bookseller, <laughs> insurance agent, but I know that, like, to live with a writer. I don't know. Don't you all have sympathy for your loved ones? Yeah, disappearing into a dark room for 12 hours. Going into a room. And also, I think, like, I cry all the time now. I don't know if it's being 61 or what, but I just cry all the time now. You're emotive. I am very emotive. I I don't know when it happened, but it's like everything makes me cry. And it's... And it's something to do with the writer thing, yeah. I think, because you're suddenly feeling every damn thing. Yeah. And uh, but I, I do think like the writers too, we're awfully insecure because that thing we were talking about before. I think we really do want people to read us. I am so glad you said that too, because I was trying to figure, you know, what? How do you oversimplify? How do you um, try to frame in the simplest way a, a writer? Are they people who are? trying to because they're, they're so full of themselves oh I've got something everyone needs to they're going to learn from me or are they people who think I want to make people happy I want to please I want to make humanity gentler I want to be able to contribute something to humanity and I think then in the, in the former camp it's like I don't want to be around those people but people in the latter camp those who are attuned those who are empathetic those who get it because to come up with the voices and the characters that you come up with I mean, you have to be able to see things from different perspectives, especially some of the really strong and powerful and painful parts. You can't create that out of the ether. You have to have some frame of reference to share that. So maybe that's why I appreciate the company of writers so often is because they can see things like that. Yeah, because writers do have to be able to... I mean, the writers that we like to read Mm -hmm. are the ones who have figured out how to put us in a place... You know, to put us in a place we haven't seen from before, give us a a, a, a view we haven't seen before, yeah. and and yet, well, I say that, but it, sometimes we do like to read the same old things, don't we? Well, for sometimes comfort food, we but we don't grow from that. Yeah, it's like eating Fritos; they taste great, but they're not necessarily nutritious. When we read one of your books, are they vegan books, though? They are. Fritos are vegan. Are they? Yeah. You know, I gotta tell you about the vegan thing. There's an awful lot of crap that's vegan. <laughs> Absolutely. You I think aren't yeah. Oreos vegan? Oreos are vegan. Yeah. Nutter butter peanut butter sandwich yeah. comfers. Unfrosted pop tarts are vegan. <laughs> oh, I could go on for hours. <laughs> crap, crappy food that one should not eat, but it just doesn't have any animal byproducts. Yeah, in it yeah. So it doesn't necessarily vegan doesn't equal good for no, you. No, vegan doesn't but healthy. It's a different. It's a whole that's different. It. Okay, that's yeah. it. We all we all knew that, but it is it is always surprising when you see something like 
Fritos with a little note, vegan. Yeah. Oh, great. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Gluten-free and vegan. Oh, yep. Okay. So I have a question about yes. the, the veganism. Is mm-hmm. it rewarding to yes. eat the, politically to be a vegan? Uh, politically, I guess t- to me, I can only speak anecdotally. Um, I became a vegan irrespective of everything else. I mean, people in my family, people, my, eventually my brother became vegan, my mom became, uh, became vegetarian. Um, it, was, it was only because, within my own uh, head, that it was the right thing to do. It, so I, I could be consistent with, again, my, my own ethos. But it was very empowering too. My, my son and daughter uh, were both born vegetarian and they became vegan on their own accords, each upon turning nine. Since my daughter is the eldest, I'll use her as the, the example. When you're nine years old, you've just lost your mom, you know, you're in an agrarian community that's not as diverse as, I mean, they went to school uh, just south of, of town and it was a pretty homogenous school. You know, you're half Jewish, you stand out for a number of reasons and her choosing to become vegan, for, forgetting the, the politics of veganism, forgetting, you know, the ethos of it, it gave her a sense of control over her environment, it gave her a sense of self so when a lot of kids, in, in, using my daughter as the example, when a lot of girls are going through that awkward period of peer pressure and uh, in, in hierarchies and all that horrific stuff that kids go through when they enter uh, middle school, she had a sense of confidence because she knew that regardless of what life might throw at her, she could control what went into her body. She had a, a code of, of, of ethics that she could adhere to that no one would break. And my son later followed in her footsteps and for much similar reasons was able to, to navigate some of those horrific years because of that. So I'm not sure if I can address the, the political uh, angle so much, but as far as the, the individual or communal area, it was very powerful for each of them. What do you miss most? What, what that you don't eat at the vegan? Um, I, I don't, because I, I, can't, I can't disconnect. They, I, I wish that they would come up, here's a, maybe a friend like this. I wish they could come up with a really good vegan butterscotch malted. Was that a better way for me to frame it? Than the, yeah. <laughs> um, dandies. Oh, yeah, they got the, you, yeah. They, they marsh, you know, they yeah, they have vegan marshmallows now, and they're they're delicious. I was looking for the, the butterscotch malted though. If you find one of those, Cheryl, please let me know. I miss I miss those. Any, any form of. Oh yeah, malted. you know, I, I actually used to work at a, a place that made the malts. All you have to do to make it a malted is just put a scoop of malt in it. Really? Yeah. Oh, that would be delicious. Yeah. Wouldn't so it? So just get a get a get a little jar of malt. Yeah. Take it with you. Get the get the vegan um, shake, oh. and then put the malted in it. I will do that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, See, this I, was worthwhile for me for a host of reasons. I love our conversation, <laughs> but now I've got a way. But now you have it. You know, I know. I'm with you. I like the oh. practical, the yes. practical aspects. And yeah. so, do your kids live around here? Um, for for uh, my my son lives in Rochester, New York, and uh, my uh, my daughter lives in Lansing for a little while longer. But she and her husband are moving to Bog- uh, Bogota, Colombia, before the end of the year. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Wow, you need you'll need your community. Yeah, I'll need, need a butterscotch malted. Too. You will need yeah. a butterscotch malted, yeah. absolutely. I will. I'm already going through like, like, oh, I miss her already. Well, she's just a couple miles away right now. <laughs> Pre- preemptive. Uh, yeah. Uh, wow. Do you feel that way when you're even when your community members leave you? I bet. I truly because you are truly in. You are in the community. Oh yeah, yeah, and and again. And, all the connections that we've been able to make, uh, there's not a, a single thought in my head that's original. There's not an original uh, idea. I, I, I believe that to be true. Everything that I, I have about me is because someone else introduced me to a concept or someone else introduced me you know, to, uh, to, to an idea or something. So I, I, miss, I miss people. That's really interesting because I think, you know, sometimes as Americans, we have this pride in that we are our own people. Yeah. That we are our own people and we're not much interfered with yeah. by others and I I think that's a funny th- I mean when you think about how we actually live our lives and what gives it meaning you know like we went back to Hemingway he wants to write pure from his heart right. but what is his heart other than the conglomeration of the things that have gone into him to make up who he is I mean I, I guess maybe there are ways in which you can see the world where you you know, you are an island, mm-hmm. but it it does seem like you're you take much satisfaction in not being an island. Yes, but and I, and, and I'm an introvert too. Yet I, I love I love being around people who give me energy and uh, the the people with whom I get to spend time with uh, through the bookstore or through other community engagement. 
they they just they thrill me. My my, my adrenal system's I'm like. I'm gonna amazing. question that introvert. Capital thing. capital I introvert. Really? Yeah, I live with cats for heaven's sake. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So in the sense you're an introvert in the sense that what what about you is introverted that you you would hide out and read books and avoid mm-hmm. the world in. In another life, I, right, I, yeah. In, in a perfect world, uh, outside the bookstore, of course, I, I would be able to to read. I would be able to go for long walks. I would be able to sit with the cats, which that's their preference. As I sit with them, especially if I like a, a brush and treats and such. So yeah, um, people can be exhausting, you know. Collectively, uh, people can um, can disappoint, but by and large, I, I enjoy being around people who, who are passionate and compassionate, who are smart, who are engaged, and that's what I find through the bookstore. I just I find extraordinary people who who have original ideas and genuinely care about humanity. Right, if, if I may offer a, a quote, or this is more of a paraphrase because I'm really bad at quoting, so I usually misquote people. And um, while in college, Hillary Clinton asked a, a college professor, "Is it possible to care deeply about humanity while being a misanthrope?" <laughs> and I really like that uh, that that notion. I care deeply about humanity, but sometimes people make me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. I mean, they do make you crazy. Yeah, he talks about that in, yeah. in the Brothers Karamazov. Really? I'm going to have to read that. Yeah. I have a hard time with Umberto Eco and with Russian uh, novels for some reason. I just I can't focus There's on There's a new translation of Brothers Karamazov by Michael Katz. Okay. I like, I like Katz. Sorry. Well, the cat, 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 cat spelled K-A-T-Z. The, the Jewish way. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I would like very that. Easy. Thank you, because I will, I will pursue that. I, I do want to come to understand Russian literature. I just, I get lost by too many characters and too many storylines and short attention. Too many span. patronyms. Too many well, patronyms. What, what you do yes. is you keep a notebook open while you're reading so you can keep track of it. I need more notebooks. Or just train yeah. one of your cats. <laughs> To take notes, you, weren't you always jealous? Did you ever hear about this? The capuchin monks, mm-hmm. or no? It's maybe the capuchin is the the chimp, but they supposedly they would train these little monkeys to help them with their with their brushes. Huh? They would train these monks would have little monkeys in their in their monastery, and the monkeys would hand them their pens. Really? And I always thought. I don't now that I'm talking to a vegan. Though, I'm wondering. I hope they were nice to the monkeys. I, I, I hope so too. I hope they were really I hope nice they to like them. They, those people who would give an infinite amount of monkeys typewriters and hope that they can write Hamlet. <laughs> now that's know. just cruel, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that is cruel. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, did you ever hear about the Cumbrian like sheepdog training? How these sheep herders would name every little bit of their land, like every bump or crevice or like. Uh, and be able to basically remote control the dog uh, anywhere that they like say to go for like precise. I've not I've not heard of that. Yeah. It's really because the dogs can learn like two hundred words, yeah, so yeah. they could learn the things exactly. for it's, those. It's, it's beyond our comprehension, surely. Wow, mm-hmm. most things are beyond my comprehension. <laughs> the amount of things that I don't understand or know about is voluminous. I just you can fill an encyclopedia with stuff I don't know. That, that's why. <laughs> That's why it's good to keep a, a big library that of books that you haven't read. And surround yourself with people smarter than yourself. Yeah. Or which is what just I try get to a bookstore. Yeah. And just be surrounded by the books and the smart people. And the smart people. Yeah. When I was little, I wanted to be the smartest kid in the room. And then I got older, I figured, no, I want to be the stupidest person in the room. And I'm doing really well in the, set, in the ladder. So, yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love this. This is wonderful. <laughs> I kind of doubt that actually mm. that you, you but it's it, good to be well it keeps you open-minded yeah. you're always open to what other people are saying and then mm-hmm. if you want to go be an introvert later in your room then you you go off in your room and, and i've got cat time scheduled for seven tonight oh do you yeah so <laughs> you close it up and That's then you it. go back to the cats yeah i could maybe ask you some advice i um this new cat of mine that has turned into an indoor cat that mm-hmm. was a wild feral cat and um like to hunt mm-hmm. a lot now i love to brush her and she loves to be brushed yeah. however there'll be a moment in the brushing where she attacks me and does yeah. damage yeah. to me yeah, often i'm bloody so do you have any advice with that um 
patience and positive reinforcement mm -hmm. that uh, if they do that at some don't point, bite her back. Like, yeah, no, don't don't bite her back. I mean, a it, it sends the wrong message, and b it a mouthful of fur. <laughs> <laughs> so. And she's got all these sharp points. Yeah, and you do not. I so, do not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. don't, don't play in someone else's arena. <laughs> okay. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably can't fight in her arena. No, don't don't yeah. do that. No, um, patience and positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. um, stop rushing as soon as she does something that is unpleasant. Yeah. Now, do you have any other, other advice for those of us who want to stay sane? Oh, the only advice I ever feel comfortable giving is uh, trust yourself. You know, you, you know you better than anyone else knows you, and nothing I can share is going to change that. Um, just trust, trust yourself, trust your intuition, trust your experience, trust yourself. Do you guys feel trustworthy? <sighs> More... Some, at sometimes more than others. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I've kept you for an hour, Scott. And I wanted to say thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you so much for talking to me. Yeah, this is the best. <laughs> I really this enjoyed this. This is the best. Now I feel wiser in many ways. I do too. I feel much wiser about Scott Harris Land, <laughs> which is the what it says under the bookstore name that's the subtitle scott that? harris land no, okay. <laughs> oh, i'm hyper literal sometimes so okay. I, yeah. <laughs> thank All you right. so much this is so much fun yeah well let's just we'll look around at some books and we're going to have some snacks that did dawn make some pies or she something made, she made so. two pies one of which is vegan Oh, that is so nice. Yes, yeah, because sometimes they're slipping the butter into it. Yeah, aren't they? she didn't do that for the. Yeah, the well, pie, that was so. very nice of her. Don's very nice by nature. Everybody in this store is nice. That's what I'm going to say. I Every like single that. person in here. Thank All right. You. Well, signing off. So goodbye, America. Say goodbye to goodbye. the. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs>